Phil, uh, Dana Sawyer back on the show. Uh, always has a lot to say. Uh, very interesting guy. Very professorial, very clear, articulate. And uh, the, the subject of the perennial philosophy uh, really touches upon uh, everything and or every, everyone that we interview uh, in, yeah. in, in the area of contemporary um, spirituality. Yeah, uh, kind of, you uh, asked them about the definition of, of uh, the perennial philosophy. Reflect on that. What does Huxley say? Well, what you just said is also interesting because we tend to interview people who recognize spiritual experience as an important thing. We're not, we're not talking about right. uh, you know, mainstream faith-oriented religion so much. Um, and so in a sense, our collection of interviews is like uh, an illustration of the perennial philosophy, you know, because everybody's talking about spiritual development from their own perspective, most of them anyway. But um, let me read you the section from Huxley's book, the Perennial Philosophy, that I quoted in American Veda. Huxley describes the perennial philosophy as, quote, the metaphysic that recognizes a divine reality substantial to the world of things and lives and minds, the psychology that finds in the soul something similar to or even identical with divine reality, the ethic that places man's final end in the knowledge of the imminent and transcendent ground of all being. And then, you know, his book just brings in evidence from all the uh, traditions of uh, the, the mystical or esoteric branches of the traditions where uh, people who have had deep experiences have written about them. Right. And, shows that regardless of the culture or the era or the, you know, religious history, when they describe their experience, they're very similar, if not identical. Right. That's you know, it's, it's philosophy. interesting. Uh, what he said that one of the criticisms of the perennial philosophy uh, is that, uh, you know, different people from different religions will say, we're not all the same. But, you know, uh, it was it, for me, I mean, I was in college, I'm studying comparative religion and I started uh, TM, I started meditating. And then all of a sudden uh, I noticed uh, I had exposure to Eastern thought and I started noticing, well, I see that uh, it's actually a lot of that in Catholicism. There's a lot of that when I was studying Judaism, there's a lot of that in, in, in every branch of every religion, the Quakers, the this, that. So if there's a commonality like that, the people in it, can deny it, but I'm looking at all. It's it's like if you go to eight different cities and the people in those cities said, "Don't compare us; we're all the same." But actually, I find certain similarities in large urban areas, and you know, it's okay for me to bring them out, even if one's Bangkok and one's Shanghai and one's Moscow and one's Paris and New York. You know, there's similarities, and and that's what I want to focus on. And so, um, it's it's interesting though, but. I, 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 that there's that criticism amongst the well it's, it's weird because nothing could be more obvious than that religions are different from one another they make 
different claims. They have different views of history. They have different belief systems. Different outfits. Different, <laughs> that's different outfits. Different music. Different right. uh, rituals. They're different. And you, you know, to for people to criticize uh, thinkers on this of the stature of Huxley and Joseph Campbell and Houston Smith, the best known perennialists, as if they don't know that every religion is you know different from one another. But they're pointing out that they're not concerned with those things. The perennial philosophy is concerned with the inner experience that people have. And you just wonder sometimes whether some of these scholars who argue with it just have never had spiritual. And I I think the people that are uh, it's most apparent to are are like, uh, you know, I had I had a discussion the other day with a Trappist monk, so a Catholic monk that's devoted his life to inner development. You know, he, he, he studied with Thomas Keating and, uh, and others in that tradition. And when he reads Buddhism, when he reads uh, Vedanta, when he re- reads the philosophies of different groups, the, the Zoroastrians, whatever, uh, he all of a sudden sees the similarity because his focus in his particular faith or religion is on that essence, on that perennial philosophy Right. Uh, and so that, so for him, it's apparent it exists elsewhere. Uh, I think for somebody that's more involved in the superficiality of a particular yeah. group, okay, I'm the guy or I'm the gal that uh, produces uh, the wardrobes for the different ceremonies. Our wardrobes are dramatically, drastically rather different than those of uh, than that other group, that other religion. Okay, that that's that's we agree with that. That's apparent. But if you go a little deeper, uh, it seems a, apparent uh, to, to those people that, that explore in that area uh, that there's a great similarity. And I think that, you know, obviously what Huxley brought out, that's what our guest brought out. Today yes. That, and, uh, and also, and, you know, we've had people on the show t- talk about Thomas Merton. Mm-hmm. Thomas Merton was, you know, comparing notes with Buddhists and Hindus and Swamis and Taoists and, you know, Sufis. Because they had these, you know, they they recognize that the inner life brings you, you know, into contact with something that doesn't have boundaries. And, and, you know, if you get the mystics together, you get the practitioners together. uh, It's like in India, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies under what we think of as Hinduism. But if you get a bunch of yogis together, it doesn't matter which lineage they're from. They're going to be having the same unitive experience right. in, inside, and they all know that. Uh, that's why, you know, uh, if you if you look on the surface of belief systems, and we believe this is true, and you believe that's true, that's why that's where religious wars happen. You get the mystics together, and it's just a love fest. No one cares right. about anything. Right. I, I have a question for you, Phil. You would know more about this when you uh, if you've been to a, a conference, say, uh, on non-duality. Uh, do the non-dual those people that are are expert or uh, uh, promoting that view of non-duality? Uh, do they see Huxley as one of them? Oh, I don't know. I I, I wouldn't know. They probably would if they knew of Huxley mm-hmm. and they read, you know, his works and all that. Um, Dana would know better than I because he goes to conferences devoted to Huxley. But, you know, and perennialists, as he pointed out, and I didn't realize the extent of it, they'll have disagreements, too, 
right you know about certain nuances mm -hmm. you know and how to frame it and this and that if you go to you know a non-duality uh, conference if you know to the extent they exist different non-dualists will you know have just points of disagreement mm -hmm. about nuance Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the experience, mm -hmm. the deep experience of the truth, the self, and right. its, its uh, union with all that is, you know, those those um, core principles of yoga and uh, Buddhism that, you know, they, they it's hard to deny that there's a, a unifying uh a factor in, in, right. in the direct experience. And Dana, you know, that's what he points out. I, you know, I read this paper he wrote taking on some of the misconceptions about perennialism. And he, he lays it out really good. I would rec I wish I had the reference in front of me, but it's in right. the Journal of Humanistic Psychology sometime in the last uh, two, three, four months. Um, so you, know, you could probably Google it if it's right. available. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention was I, I think it was he said Huxley uh, spent a lot of time with Krishnamurti. Is that right? Yeah, the Huxley or, or, or Houston Smith. Yeah, or Huxley. Okay, uh, I remember when I was studying with Maharishi, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, that is, uh, he was asked about Krishnamurti. Because Krishnamurti, like he, he uh, Dana described it beautifully, he said, like, why don't you just wake up, get rid of this stuff? And I think what uh, the response Maharishi had on that was that. Uh, he was a person that just went into enlightenment or went into that state, that elevated state just popped in or whatever, went in one, one day. So for him, hey, why doesn't everybody do that? But yeah. so there wasn't a tradition. There wasn't a, uh, a, a path that he rigorously followed, uh, at least in his life, uh, that, that, that brought him there. But he uh, so he popped in like that. So I, I, I think that that. It was an interesting he was, observation, he, and, and Krishnamurti yeah. uh, uh, had huge influence. Yeah, and what was interesting when I researched him for American Veda, uh, you know, he he was really against gurus and religion and organizations and you know methods. Uh, he talked about meditation as just silence your mind, and um, he, when the gurus like Maharishi and the others got more and more famous, he was denouncing them, mm -hmm. you know, oh, they're charging money and they're teaching these things. Just, you don't have to do that. Be independent, you know, you be yourself sufficient on your own, you know, and, and the more he did that, the more people started treating him like a guru. Right. <laughs> Even though he's- Yeah, like, I mean, I think most people think, and, and maybe wrongfully so, of Krishnamurti as a guru, as yeah. a teacher, as a but he you know. would hate that label, and 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 but he would say, just quiet your mind, mm -hmm. and people would try to do it, and they find it hard, and then they'd go learn TM or go to you know Yogananda's method right. or whatever it was because right. they needed right you know techniques and methods. So that's what yeah. happened. Anybody anyway. highly skilled in any particular area. Well, just, you know, pick it up and, you know, whatever, you know, it's easy. Just yeah. do it, you know, it's uh, 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 in any event. So uh, second time we've had Dana on, I'm going to guess there'll be a third time. A lot to discuss, really mm -hmm. very enjoyable. Always, uh, and again, Always great to have old friends on. Yeah, we go back. I mean, I 
you probably, I, I'm sure I met him years ago. We have a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. And uh, our friend Charlie Donahue out there is mails out a lot of philosophical stuff. And I, I think both of us and Dana are all on the same mailing list. And I get to read these conversations that are generally incomprehensible, but, uh, <laughs> but thought provoking and, and, and fun. Uh, hey, uh, so just another reminder, we're really getting up into subscriptions. So if you're watching or if you're listening, hit this subscribe button. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. Go into our archives. As we have said before, and Phil has so beautifully put, it's an education. Forget about the, you don't have to go to graduate school to get a degree in comparative religion or, or spirituality, uh, spiritual teachings. Uh, it we, 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 have it all, we, we have it all there. What's that? It should be a required course. It should and be for everyone. It should right. be the, the perennial course. Now, uh, for those that have helped keep us afloat uh, by making contributions to Spirit Matters Talk, and, and you can find out about that at spiritmatterstalk.com, I want to remind you, we're not a nonprofit. It's not a donation, but it's a contribution. The contributions have somewhat dried up recently. So if anybody is out there and would like to uh, help us, we, so we want to keep it free and open and we want to keep it going. Phil and I have been at this it's five, six years or whatever. Quite a while. A lot of fun. Uh, great, great guests. And many more lined up. Uh, and so, uh, yes, any help in that area would be greatly appreciated. Right. And uh, any ideas or thoughts uh, for guests we might have, we are open and uh, we will go through it with our committee and try to get as many on as, as possible if they're if there's any relevance to contemporary spirituality. So, all right. So, well said, Dennis. Till next right, time. Man. See you next time. Yeah. Next time. <laughs>